This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and it's great to be with you as we continue to explore the many different aspects of the church's mission of evangelization. And this mission can be very swiftly summarized in just a few words. We simply need to bring people to Jesus. And my guest this week, Melissa Kirking, has found her own calling within this broader mission as she seeks to bring people, especially children, to Jesus through the practice of Eucharistic adoration. Her book on this topic was recently published by Ascension Press, and I had a chance to speak with her about how the idea for the book came about and what kind of fruit she has seen from her ministry uh, working with children in the context of Eucharistic adoration. And anyone who's been around kids for longer than, say, 20 minutes knows that it can sometimes be a struggle for children to sit still in the silence, in a pew. So I was honestly curious to hear Melissa's reflections on how children can really enter into those moments of adoration and the various tools and habits that might help. But to help set the stage for our conversation, I thought I'd start with a song performed by the Grey Havens called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, because I feel that this is what we do when we invite others to Eucharistic adoration. We invite them to come and behold the wondrous mystery, the mystery of the unfathomable love and mercy that God the Father has poured out into the world through the life, death, and resurrection of His only begotten Son, who was sent not for our condemnation, but for our salvation. And all of that is so wondrous indeed. So please enjoy the chance to pray with this song, and I'll share my interview with Melissa on the other side of the music. Come behold the wondrous mystery In the dawning of the King He the theme of heaven's praises Robed in frail humanity In our longing, in our darkness Now the light of life has come Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, He the perfect Son of Man, in His living, in His suffering, never a trace nor stain of sin. 
joined by Melissa Kirking, who is the coordinator of Children's Eucharistic Adoration at her parish. And her book, Jesus and Me, Talking with My Greatest Friend, was recently released by Ascension Press. Melissa lives outside of Austin, Texas with her husband and youngest son. And she's been recently blessed with her first grandchild. Melissa, it's lovely to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well, Miriam. Thank you for having me. Well, Melissa, it's, you know, it's clear that you're you're on this beautiful mission to bring people, especially children, to Eucharistic adoration, to pray before Jesus, who is truly present in the Eucharist and the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, so but before we discuss your book, I'd love to hear a little more about how you came to really encounter Christ in the Eucharist and what that part of your walk of faith looked like. Could you share a bit with our listeners? Sure, sure. So many years ago, I was... Uh, teaching in a small Catholic school in Ohio and um, teaching first graders. And so the priest that year asked that we bring our children to first Friday adoration. 
And um, there was initial panic, <laughs> like you want me to do what with these busy first graders? There was 32 of them. And, and so I was like, okay, but the priest asked. And so, you know, I, I followed what he requested and I had a mom kind of give me encouragement and we started going. Um, and I quickly realized how much the children loved it. You know, I had one little girl tell me, oh, I felt him hug me, Mrs. Kirking. And it was beautiful. And it became something that the children looked forward to every month. Um, we would we would build up to it each month with a little bit each week about what we were going to do and what we were going to talk to Jesus about. And um, through that priest, the, God planted this desire within me to bring as many children as I could to him in Eucharistic adoration to get to know him and love him. That's beautiful. And so was it an hour long, like time of adoration? Or was it shorter or longer, Melissa? It, it was shorter. Um, mm -hmm. It was like about 15 minutes, we would go in, we would sing a song, we would um, talk to him, I would lead the kids guide them a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, that's how we did it that first year. And then um, I left the school to stay home with my first son and moved to Texas. And so it was as I, um, as I got to more and more into um, trying to lead children and guide them, it kind of expanded in time. We do everything um, in our parish when um, our ECDC um, with the, the 18 month old to, to the four year olds, we'll do about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we'll do an hour with the elementary and middle school. Sometimes the kindergartners might go out a little bit, you know, at a halfway point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, trying to find a way to to bring them as children, right? Their faith is deep, but they're, to do it in an age-appropriate way that connects yeah. with them. It's one thing, Melissa, to lead a ministry and be drawn to this desire to or to have this desire to bring children to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, where did the idea for a book come in? I had always dreamed of writing a book. Um, I, I do um, a lot of, I do have a website where there are some um, materials for people to use. And so this dream extended from that. I always, I always thought if the a book would allow me, not really me, allow Jesus yeah. Mm -hmm. to reach more children. And so, um, yeah, so the opportunity finally came for me to be able to do that. Got it. And and so what's the format of the book and who's the audience? Is it for the children themselves, Melissa, or is it for the parents of the children? I would say it's, well, it's for 10 to 12 year old, but I think okay. you can very easily go on either side with parental help, go down mm -hmm. younger. Um, I've had people give it to, um, confirmation, um, students, um, I've even had adults tell me they enjoy it, but it, it's really, it's really geared towards the children using ch child friendly language that, um, that draws them in. Um, and okay. so, uh, yeah, the, but it's definitely something a parent can sit down with their sure. child and, and go through like in, in bedtime prayer, yeah. I've had one grandmother tell me that's her special time when she travels to see her grandchildren is just sits down and uses that book 
with her grandchildren. That's um, beautiful. That's beautiful. And so, for instance, you're using the example of bedtime prayer, but can the book also be used during the time of adoration? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it, it definitely can. And that's, you know, that's, of course, where my heart is, but it's, a, yeah. it's, it's intended to be able to use in all different prayer situations before mass. And, but during adoration, it, it's a beautiful time because you can, you know, children can walk into adoration and, and it's, you're supposed to be quiet. And, you know, it's a little harder for a parent to guide, you know, yeah. during a traditional hour of quiet adoration. So to have that book in their hand, to be able to go in and not worry about what am I going to say to Jesus? What, what, what do I do if I, if I run out of words or, you know, that this provides that, that blueprint for them to pray to Jesus. Yeah, that's great. And Melissa, can you give a a few examples uh, without giving too much away? Because we want listeners to go and check the book out for themselves, of course. Um, But just some examples of of what children are encouraged to do to pray, uh, what to say, how to how to be in front of Jesus. Any examples? Sure. So we we go through the four prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, praise, um, being sorry, Thanksgiving and asking Jesus. That's my child-friendly way of saying the four traditional prayers. But yeah. within um, the asking prayers, right, I ima- I ask the children to use their imagination and to imagine they're like a sponge. And they are how a sponge, you can fill it full of water and that Jesus filled them full of full of his love, like the sponge can absorb all the water. And then even so much as we can fill a sponge so full of water that it can drip when we move it and to allow Jesus to fill them with so much love that they drip his love where they go around over the people. And so to use that imagination um, in their prayer. And then there's there's more traditional ones, too, you know, on, on thinking about the holy, holy, holy. Um, yeah. For Mass, and that's a beautiful way to praise Jesus um, in, in just a few words. Yeah, no, definitely. And to be able to, yeah, just join the song of the angels and the saints and all of heaven in that moment, it's so special. Um, it is. And is there, is there like a place, is it just to read or are there any recommendations to write anything, not maybe in the book, but do you recommend maybe any journaling alongside? We do rec- yeah, we do recommend that they bring a journal because there are, are lots of journaling opportunities. Um, okay. Maybe creating your own prayer, uh, your own, your own song for Jesus. Oh. Um, and where, cause I, that's, that's something I had done years ago is create my own song for Jesus. And I, I still sing it to him. Um, but for the children to be able to do that, right. Or to, to prayer web. And so to have that paper to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also beautiful when children and, 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 and people in general can look back on their prayers and see God's working through it. Oh, lovely. And for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Melissa Kirking, who is the coordinator of Children's Eucharistic Adoration at her parish. And uh, she um, recently had her book, Jesus and Me, Talking with My Greatest Friend. That was recently released by Ascension Press. Uh, so Jesus, as our greatest friend, um, how can parents encourage children to approach Jesus and see Jesus as their friend? 
Yes, I think um, I think some of it is the way we as our parents interact with Jesus that are that so our our actions are speaking for us as well. Do our children see us um, yeah. interacting to Jesus and talking to Jesus? Do we allow our prayers to come out of our out of our minds for our children to hear so they can see the different situations we're praying to Jesus? Um, the the book also. Um, is it compares it compares Jesus as the as the greatest friend, the divine friend, to an earthly friend in those conversations. Yeah. Um, and I think just creating that that quiet because our world is so busy, right? Our, yeah. There's so many things, so many opportunities our children have that sometimes our quiet moments are um, are are not always there, and this. Mm you know, so to carve out that time for your child, um, to be able to spend time with the one who loves them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping with the Eucharistic revival, Melissa, that we're seeing more opportunities for Eucharistic adoration at a parish. Um, but what if, a what if a family is at a parish where it's not a regular part of parish life yet, but they have a desire to participate more in this beautiful devotion, um, of our church, um, what would you recommend to maybe parents who want to take that next step in bringing their children to Eucharistic adoration, but it might not be really available? What might you recommend? I say go visit Jesus in the tabernacle. He is there still. He's veiled. He's yeah. behind the door. But the way I explain it to children is we've all had conversations. I remember as a child talking to my mom through the bedroom door. <laughs> and I kind of just say, Jesus is on the other side of the door. He is in the church with you. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, it's just like you can talk to your parents on the other side of their bedroom door and they can help you um, solve problems. They can help give you answers. And it's the same with Jesus. He's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good reminder to to not have to wait for maybe the blessed sacrament be exposed in the monstrance, but to go even when he's just in, there is no just about it. He's there in the tabernacle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you sort of hinted at this in your last comment, Melissa, um, about hearing answers to prayers and, and that kind of thing. Um, what have you seen as some of the fruits of Eucharistic adoration uh, in your own life, but also in the lives of the families and the children that you've worked with? What kind of fruit are you seeing? So within my own, um, I, I feel this, this pull, this pull to go and spend time with him. And sometimes if, if, life has gotten busy and maybe I hadn't gotten to him um, in the chapel in a little while, either because I was sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I get there and I'm just, I just like, Oh, I'm here with you, Jesus. I'm here. I'm here. You know, it's just that yeah. excitement. Um, I have mm-hmm. seen children. I've had teachers tell me that their kids have come into adoration, you know, all busy mm-hmm. on their way to adoration and, you know, but when they leave, they just see this quiet peace yeah. as the children walk back. Um, children have, I, I've had a child tell their dad, oh, I got to see Jesus today with such wow. excitement and, and to, to, to recognize what he had the joy of doing that day and to have the enthusiasm to share it. Um, I think it also helps with, you know, 
a greater participation in mass, mm-hmm. you know, because they're recognizing, you know, who they are there for. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point, really always connecting the experience of Eucharistic adoration um, with the mass, that it's all absolutely uh, connected. Um, Melissa, where, where can people learn more about, uh, about, you mentioned you have a website, but also specifically about your book. The book um, is on ascensionpress.com slash Jesus and me. And that's the Ascension website for it. Yeah. Awesome. And did you have another website you wanted to share uh, to direct folks to or? I have a website called Guided Children's Adoration, and it provides a lot of resources just to bring children to adoration. Do you have any sort of follow up in mind for those who even want to go deeper? Let's say they're a little bit older. They've been using the resources that that you're providing and all of that. And it's it's humming along, Melissa, which is great. And they want to go even deeper. Do you have any recommendations for them to kind of take it to that next level? I think children could then bring their Bible, right? And then there are lots of other resources, but in bringing their Bible and, and reading certain sections, maybe what they don't normally hear in mass, um, Jesus will definitely speak to them. And even, um, even journaling as they read their Bible about what they're hearing that Jesus is speaking to them about. Oh, I I love that because you you kind of uh, started with that idea of using their imagination. And so being able to engage with scripture stories now equipped with stepping into the story in a new way and being able to imagine their place in it, um, I think is is wonderful. Melissa, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with with the last few minutes we have? Any um, suggestions for adoration or other signs of hope that you're seeing in our church and our world today? So I, I guess one other thing I would like parents to know is that the book, because it has 80 prayer possibilities within it, 20 within each kind of prayer, that there's a starting point for your child in there. There's It yeah. appeals to the different learning styles. So there's a spot where your child will feel comfortable starting. And then yeah. the other prayers will help draw them into deeper prayers and different experiences of prayer. Because not everybody prays the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we want a, a point where they can start and, and jump from um, yeah. to go deeper with Jesus. Oh, I thank you for mentioning that, Melissa. That's a great point. And having those 80 like prayer possibilities. I mean, that's wonderful because you're absolutely right. We're not called to be sort of cookie cutter in our prayer that the Lord is really calling us into a a particular way of prayer and approaching him um, at that special time of conversation with our greatest friend. Um, Mm -hmm. Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for just saying yes to, to writing this book and helping to lead other parents in guiding their children uh, closer to Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, May God continue to bless you, your family and your ministry. Thank you so much, Miriam. Early in our conversation, Melissa mentioned that she experienced an initial panic when her priest asked if she would help facilitate Eucharistic adoration for children. I believe her response was, you want me to do what? 
And I really appreciated the the honesty of that response because I think that might be a, a thought or a question that comes in some shape or form into the hearts of most, if not all, Christians who have heard the call of Christ to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth and to baptize all the nations. I think if we're honest, we've all said to Jesus at some point, I'm sorry, you, you want me to do what? But I think this is where Melissa's next point is really key. So immediately after she shares about that initial panic, she briefly mentions about another mom who gave her encouragement. Again, she mentions this kind of in passing, but I didn't want to gloss over this point because, you know, at the same time that we're entrusted with this really important responsibility of evangelization, we can never forget that we we also have the responsibility to encourage other disciples in this mission. And not just that, but to be open to receiving encouragement from others as well. Because really, one of the quickest ways to stall evangelizing efforts is to wade into those waters of discouragement. So you and I need to remain open to the spirit of encouragement so that we can persevere in this work of sharing the truth and love of Christ. And that brings me to the third point that Melissa brought up, um, particularly in this section of our conversation, um, that she built up the ministry a little bit each week. And again, she only touched on this briefly, but I think it can't be overstated. Let's not be afraid to build things up one step at a time, one day, one week, one month at a time. And that goes for pretty much everything in the spiritual life, from our personal prayer habits to starting brand new apostolates and ministries. And it's one of the great lessons that we receive from Jesus's quiet years in Nazareth. All of the unassuming preparations for ministry, the relationships that were being formed, the hearts that were already being changed by the presence of Jesus in the world. And all of that unfolded in God's time, another wondrous mystery to behold, as we discover over and over how God's timing really is the best timing. So we shouldn't be afraid to let him set the pace, while also never ceasing to strain forward to what lies ahead as we continue our pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus, as we hear St. Paul say to the Philippians, So my prayer for you this week is that you just get some time with Jesus, maybe just spending a few extra moments before or after mass, pausing before the tabernacle, or if you can spend an hour or so in front of the blessed sacrament exposed on the altar. And he stands there, the perfect source of all encouragement, of all peace, of all hope and charity. And as Melissa told the children in her class, be the sponge that soaks up all that grace that our Lord pours out and then let it spill over so that the traces of God's grace can be found all around you, which then helps to inspire others to draw close to Christ as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to hear stories of how the Holy Spirit is at work in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, 
Visit us online at MatradeRadio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatradeRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.